space is open to us now, and our eagerness to share its meaning is not governed by the efforts of others. We go into space because whatever mankind must undertake, free men must fully share. This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. Monday, President Biden was at the Kennedy Presidential Library in Boston, marking the 60th anniversary of John F. Kennedy's famous moonshot speech. Kennedy made it a goal for Americans to launch a man into space, and suddenly, every kid wanted to be an astronaut. Biden told the crowd that his moonshot goal is ending cancer, because just about every American has been affected by it. Even the president's own son, Bo, who died of brain cancer in 2015. And in choosing to go to the moon, President Kennedy said America was doing so, quote, not because it was easy, but because it was hard. Because the goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energy and skills, because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept. And then on Tuesday, the president was in the Rose Garden, taking a well-deserved victory lap for passing the historic Inflation Reduction Act. But his timing was a little off. Tuesday's economic report shows prices are still rising on just about everything except for gasoline. The announcement sent the stock market into a tailspin, stoking fears that the Fed will go fucking nuts and raise interest rates sky high. So, despite the bill, inflation isn't going to magically disappear. And it's the last thing Democrats want to talk about before going into the November midterms. So, thank God for Lindsey Graham, he completely changed the subject when he introduced a bill that would federally ban abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. I think we should have a law at the federal level that would say after 15 weeks, no abortion on demand, except in cases of rape, incest, to save the life of the mother. And that should be where America's at. Just when Mitch and the gang were hoping to pivot their election strategies to take on Biden's policies, the senator from South Carolina had to go and remind women that Republicans fucking hate them. Graham's bill, which has absolutely no chance of passing as long as Democrats control the Senate, only serves to show that if Republicans win it back, they'll be ready with a federal abortion ban. I mean, seriously, fuck states' rights. That was never the goal. But apparently, Lindsey just can't keep a secret. To quote leader Schumer, Republican politicians across the country are passing laws telling the women of America, your body, our choice. I mean, so much for the party of limited government. Mitch McConnell is indicating overturning Roe could be just the beginning, that if Republicans gain control of Congress, they could pass a federal ban on abortion. McConnell saying if the leaked opinion became the final opinion, legislative bodies, not only at the state level, but at the federal level, certainly could legislate in that area. Adding, I don't think it's much secret where Senate Republicans stand on that issue. The last primary election of 2022 took place in New Hampshire on Tuesday, and Democrats got their wish. Now running against Democrat incumbent Senator Maggie Hassan is extremist supreme Donald Bolduc, 
I mean, Democrats want Bolduc because voters tend not to like obnoxious fucking blowhards that can't stop spouting ultra-manga horseshit like General Don Bolduc. I didn't spend my life defending this country to let a bunch of liberal socialist pansies squander it away. I'm Don Bolduc. I approve this message, and I'm asking for your vote. Biden won the state by seven percentage points, but Hassan only won her last Senate race by a thousand votes. And she's considered vulnerable by Republicans. But independents outnumber both Democrats and Republicans in New Hampshire, so it's anyone's guess how things will play out in November. But seriously, let's hope Democrats don't come to regret helping out Bolduc. New Hampshire's seat will end up being pivotal no matter who wins the race. For most of Trump's time in office, and even in his first months out of office, it seemed those around him felt like he was almost bulletproof, that he could get by any scandal here, whether it was the Mueller probe or some congressional investigations, even impeachment, that he emerged largely politically unscathed. Now, things seem to be heating up in the DOJ's investigation into all things January 6th from the post-election fundraising schemes to the fake electors and everything in between. And in the past week, they've sent 40 subpoenas to various Trump world figures. And DOJ officials have seized the phones of two top advisors to former president. According to the New York Times, the seizure of the cell phones, coupled with a widening effort to obtain information from those around Trump after the 2020 election, represents some of the most aggressive steps the department has taken in its criminal investigation into the actions that led to the assault on the Capitol by a pro-Trump mob. Today, the FBI, uh, you're going to hear this, and you're probably already hearing it in the news, the FBI came after me and took my phone and surrounded me at a Hardee's. Late Tuesday, Mike Lindell, a.k.a. the Mike Pillow Guy, told the Daily Beast that the FBI took his cell phone while he was at a Hardee's restaurant. He also posted that he'd received a search warrant and a grand jury subpoena from federal prosecutors in Colorado. The FBI declined to comment for obvious reasons, but then this Bernie Kerrick, who got a pardon from Trump for felony tax fraud, tells Newsmax that he too had been subpoenaed by the DOJ for his actions pertaining to the 2020 election. Kerrick, who stood behind Giuliani at the Four Seasons plant place, claimed he had proof that the 2020 election was stolen, has already provided documents as well as testimony to the January 6th committee. I just pardoned Bernie Kerrick, uh, a man who had many recommendations from a lot of good people. For good behavior, Carrick served just over three years of a four-year prison term after pleading guilty to multiple charges of tax fraud and lying to officials. He was released seven years ago. There are no words to express my appreciation and gratitude to President Trump, Carrick writes in a tweet. With the exception of the birth of my children, today is one of the greatest days of my life. The DOJ is meant to be nonpartisan and has an unwritten rule not to make any legal moves that may affect the outcome of an election. Well, James Comey broke that rule days before the 2016 election. Sorry, Hillary. But now the DOJ has issued subpoenas and confiscated phones, despite the elections being within striking distance. Why? Because Trump isn't actually running for anything yet. 
Merrick Garland is cautious and has made it clear that he wants to preserve evidence while it's still fresh. And other than that, he says that the DOJ will speak through their work. Do you have new evidence that wasn't at your disposal at the time that the last public hearing ended? New radio traffic or new communications? Yes. It's been a large volume of information that we uh, really pressed hard for the agency to uh, to release. There is now a, a very steady flow of uh, data coming in. Unlike the DOJ, the January 6th committee wants voters to be swayed by their findings. They met on Tuesday for a four-hour closed-door meeting. I mean, the rumor is that they have already concluded that they will issue criminal referrals for Trump and fuck knows how many of his cronies. The committee has been steps ahead of the DOJ since the very beginning, but Chairman Benny Thompson said they are now in talks to share the evidence that they've collected with the Justice Department after what seemed to be a standoff between the two investigations. Hearings potentially resume on September 28th, so stay tuned, folks. We'll be talking about it. I used to be a Republican. I can no longer be a part of that extremist MAGA Republican Party anymore. Republican is now defined as MAGA Republican cult, Donald Trump, weirdo, fascist, strange, dangerous, extremist. And I just don't identify that way. It does seem, however, that the line between the insurrection and the Mar-a-Lago sting are beginning to blur. One led to the other. Trump's coup failed when he finally retreated from the White House at the last minute. Then the move got sloppy. Things got lost. And by lost, I mean fucking stolen. Some of the same characters appear in both investigations. But the coup attempt has more plots than a soap opera. While Mar-a-Lago just has the one, privileged, classified, and top-secret documents were stolen by Donald Trump. Because the FBI, with their search warrant, actually found classified documents in his desk. When the FBI went into that place with a search warrant, they found classified documents in Donald Trump's desk in his desk drawer with his passport in Donald Trump's office room. In fact, the National Archive just announced that they still don't know if they have recovered all of the documents that they've requested. The House Oversight Committee, led by Carolyn Maloney, has ordered that the archives thoroughly research every single shred of evidence recovered to decide what's there and what is still in the wind and then legally certify their findings, which has the potential to compound Trump's troubles if it's discovered that he's still withholding government documents. And worse, fucking lying about it. Speaking of the former president, I read that the National Archives still doesn't know whether they have all the presidential records that Trump took from the White House. Amazing. Somehow my library knows I've had a copy of Goodnight Moon for 40 years, but we still can't track down these documents. Also, Trump has reportedly flushed, torn up, and allegedly even eaten documents that he didn't want included in records. So good luck ever finding those. We do know, however, that Garland would never have crossed the Rubicon into Mar-a-Lago if he didn't have a case that he's now in the process of proving beyond any and all reasonable doubt. 
But the special master that Judge Cannon awarded the Trump team will hold up the investigation for a while, let alone indictments potentially indefinitely. Based on your experience, what skills would a special master need in the Mar-a-Lago case? Unique. Unique. First of all, does the special master have the, the resume, highly sensitive national secret information? Um, is there somebody out there with that experience and that clearance to review these highly sensitive documents? Secondly, it would have to be somebody who's willing to take on the heat. It's a highly politicized appointment. When I'm appointed a special master, 9-11, Deepwater Horizon, there was no objection. Both sides, all sides hoping for a prompt resolution, compensation. This case will be politically charged from the get-go. Will somebody be willing to brace themselves uh, to take the heat? Because there will be. After the DOJ rejected both of Trump's choices for special master, both sides have tentatively agreed upon Judge Raymond Deary. Deary's noted for his fair, nonpartisan approach to the job and is well-respected on both sides of the aisle. He has presided over FISA cases in the past, and it appears that if he takes the case, he will essentially replace Judge Cannon, a mentally deficient Trump appointee. In the meantime, questions remain like, who is going to pay for the special master? I mean, for God's sakes, Trump doesn't want to foot the bill, even though he requested the thing. How long the process will take is still unknown. Will Judge Cannon lift her restriction on the FBI so that they can review the Mar-a-Lago mother load and do a proper damage assessment? The FBI has given Cannon an off-ramp. Will she do the right thing and maybe sort of redeem herself? I mean, Cannon released more unredacted copy from a Mar-a-Lago affidavit and it's not good for Trump. Each new revelation is more damning than the last. Seriously, Trump has built the wall all around, literally around himself. Um, the problem with being a lawyer for Donald Trump is that no lawyer can exercise client control. No lawyer can ultimately get the truth out of their client when their client's name is Donald Trump. And in related news, a federal judge has rejected a request made by head of the Oath Keeper, Stuart Rhodes, for a special master as well in his ongoing insurrection case. Apparently, now all the Capitol rioters want to do is to stall the outcome of their criminal investigations by seeking a special master as well. But here's the problem. Not everyone is Trump. And now for the main event. Today we welcome back to our show political satirist and digital comedian Walter Masterson a progressive video content creator who has turned trolling the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and the whole fucking MAGA shit show into an art form. His recent work, trolling anti-vaxxers and MAGA Republicans, brilliantly captures the idiocy of the movement. And video that he shot while working on the front lines during the January 6th insurrection has been instrumental in helping the FBI apprehend rioters who are stupid enough to brag about their crimes on tape. Walt's hilarious and insightful work has garnered him thousands of followers on multiple platforms and pro-democracy sites like Patriot Takes and Midas Touch. Walt's even brave enough to interact with users who both love and hate him on Twitch and Snapchat. 
Currently, he's crowdsourcing for his latest venture, trolling conservatives across America. After having been censored and demonetized on several platforms, he'll use the funds to travel the U.S. and troll MAGAs in their own backyards. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Walter, we've been looking at your new videos, and I mean, truthfully, you're exceptionally patient with people in general, and for that I say, good for you. I don't have that sort of patience, right? But, I've no <laughs> but I noticed in the canceling student debt video that you're really taking on a MAGA persona. I mean, you're doing the same thing in the black Twitter video. Do people on both sides treat you differently when they believe that you're part of the far right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's it's really funny because a lot of times when I'll be trolling and I'll be like at some Trump rally or something. And then you, you come across people that are passing by and I try to get a statement from them and they're you know more progressive. And they're just like, I don't want to talk to you at all. Like, get away from me. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, uh, I'm doing a thing. I'm doing a bit, you know, and then then like they sort of soften up. But like they're it's very visual. I feel like everyone. It sort of has their visual identifier these days where, you know, and that, that worked for me early on where the, uh, when I started doing this, like no one took me seriously at these rallies or anything until I had some, something that like visually identified me as like part of. (laughs) Well, tell me, let's, let's just get into some of your videos because they're uniquely funny, but what is also uniquely said about your videos, the fact that there are people that truly believe the things that they're saying based upon, in all fairness, your absolutely ridiculous questions to them. I mean, it's it's common. Talk to me about <laughs> how you came up with the questions for the canceling student debt one. I just thought that one, I thought that was amazing. I thought the, the black Twitter one was amazing and the anti-vaccine rally. I mean, that guy could, first of all, he doesn't look like a total fucking moron. But in all fairness, when you listen to him speak about vaccinations, I don't even know what the guy does for a living, but I assure you, He's not an epidemiologist, and he's trying to speak with authority and knowledge. And it's scary because, like what I'm going to be discussing with you in a few moments as well in the next question, which is regarding Alex Jones, these people think that they know what they're talking about. <laughs> Dude, I, the anti-vax crowd always, like, is very frustrating. It's just, you're like, because nothing, you know, there's n- nothing is real, nothing makes sense. It's like, well, the, you know, well, you can't trust that. You can't trust epidemiologists. They'll literally tell you to your face with their entire chest that you can't trust epidemiologists because they're just they're compromised. <laughs> and, but you can trust some, you know, chiropractor, you know, or, or Donald for that matter, right? When he got up and he stated, right, that yeah. <laughs> you know, COVID's not real, science isn't real, it's no different than the flu. And yes, we lose people every single year to to the common cold, to the flu, and so on. But don't worry, in three days you'll be back to work. It's no big deal. One million lives lost, right? Um, as a result. Well he, he radicalized them so much that even when he went back and said you know, hey, I got vaccinated. You should too. People were like, "Nah, bro, we're good." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> These are people that were they, they were ready to like raid the Capitol for him and start a complete insurrection 
they'll you know, believe, they'll believe all the fake insurrection voter fraud nonsense. <laughs> he was like, Hey, I, I got vaccinated. You should do it. They were yeah. like, Nope. Thank you, but no thank you, Mr. <laughs> Trump. Right. You know? And so and, and but talk to me about like, for example, the conversation, the questions that you were asking, you know, regarding the canceling student debt video. And you know, what was what was this guy and this woman's problem? Oh God. So I mean it. It, all people, you know, if you actually look into the student debt thing, you know, you notice that, you know, the older gener, you know, the older generation took out a lot fewer loans, and they're paying back much more. Even that, you know, maybe they might be making more money because you know, people that are older, higher income, blah blah blah. But you know, there, there's a lot to it. People have paid their loan back, you know, two to three times over, and they still owe money. And that's insane. That's terrible. And this is, you know, the slightest amount of relief. It's just this tiny amount of relief. However, this, the bootstraps people hear that and they go, Oh, you know, personal responsibility. I, you know, I did this. You know, I paid everything back. I, blah, 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 blah. and it's, it's insane. You're like, what, what, what is wrong with you? So, you know, I, I knew that going into it. So I was like, let me do these interviews and just, you know, bootstraps and personal responsibility and, you know, free money and kids these days are so lazy. And, you know, of course, they just eat it up. The, you know, the right wing libertarian people, you know, eat it right up and they just, you know, jump right in and play right into the joke that I'm trying to make. Walter, what was the, there was one that I saw <laughs> that you did. You were in a park and you're talking to a lady and I don't know whether she was drunk. I don't know whether or not she was high on something um, or she's just, you know, three, you know, well, let's just say she's one hamburger shy of a happy Three sheets meal. to the wind. Yeah. Yeah. You're <laughs> sitting there, right? Well, the elevator doesn't go to the top floor and you're sitting there and you're saying to her, um, the, the questions had to do with, um, with Joe Biden and she started going off. And I think it had to do with the election machines. And she started going off on, it's not even conspiracy theories that conspiracy theorists are actually putting out there by the, you know, on the MAGA side. It was her own thing. And then you called her on it. And then she backtracked and said, no, no, you're just not understanding. And you look at her, you go, hey, you're right. I don't get it. What was that? What was that one all about? So I went to this uh, rally in South Carolina. That was, yeah, that was, that was in South Carolina. It's a Trump rally there. And that was, I felt like I needed a passport to go to that. It felt like an alternate universe. It was so weird. So the, the joke that my friend and I were going to do is we're going to go up to them. The big thing amongst that crowd is that um, Trump is still running things. I don't know if you're aware. Oh, of yeah, this. I'm aware. So that uh, because Trump never conceded, he's technically still the president, but that he's actually still running the country. And that Biden is just this puppeteer and, you know, they're, they have the soundstage in Hollywood where they do everything with Biden. But the person still running things is Trump. And the logic of this is amazing because, I mean, if you extend that logic and just play this out fully, it, it doesn't fit with any, like the people that say this, it, that same logic doesn't fit with any of their other talking points because you're like, what? So I was like, let's just play this out fully. Right. Like, let's so. So I asked, you know, and it's I've been doing this a while and I do 
it's one thing to get one person to say something dumb. You want three or four people in a row to say the exact same thing. That's what I've learned. So I asked her, I asked a bunch of people, Trump's still the president. They're all like, yep. And I was like, Trump's still running the country. Yep. And they're like, yep. And then Trump's still running things. He's still running the country. And some of them even went further. They were like, yeah, not only is he still running the country, he's running the military. He's running the military. Yeah. And I was like, and the world knows it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then in the same same sentence, no punctuation, I asked, well, yeah, uh, Putin never would have invaded Ukraine if Trump was still running things. <laughs> still president, still running things. And I swear to God, I, you know, I would because my friend and I, well, Max and I talked about this. We go, oh, do, do we need to put a pause in? We're like, you know what? I think it's funnier if we don't even insert a pause. And if it's like that, we just go straight through and and make the entire sentence have been nonsensical and see if they bite. And it was just like every time, one, two, three, four, five, all of them just bit. None of them stopped for a second and said, wait a second, huh? That doesn't really make sense. Why would. If he's running the country, but he's not running the country, but he still is. Why are we at war with Ukraine? Because, you know, and then they all launched into Putin was so scared of Trump and he never would have pulled this crap with, you know, Trump. Putin never would have done this with Trump. Blah, 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 blah. It was amazing. It, it was like and they you know, and the logic didn't didn't play out for them at all. And I was like, oh, they're they're honestly the best comedy partners. And, you know, when I tell you I love them for doing improv comedy it's it's just too good sometimes yeah i mean the saddest part is that it's not comedy walt that's the problem that there are people out there that actually believe this to be true and the question that i would always want to ask is where do you get your information from? For me, that's very important because one of the things that we do here on Maya Culpa is we're actually trying to provide no more innuendo. How about yeah. just facts? Yeah. Like, like, let's let's save the bullshit for Fox News, Newsmax, OAN. Let them promote their bullshit. But I'm curious. Oh yeah, I get it from where them. These, where these? So what? I, what I do is when my friends and I, when we land at these, you know, rallies, events, so on, we we have a few conversations. I mean, we go up trying to get our stuff. But where do they? But Walter, where do they get their information from? Oh, I mean, oh, this so they get it from Telegram. Not, this lady's not just. Right. Telegram. Uh, they'll, they'll all be like, oh, what Telegram channel are you on? Oh, check out this Telegram channel. And then they're so they, they use Telegram and yeah, they use just a bunch of other and Telegram is like it's like a group chat. It's like WhatsApp. It's you can just you're like on a group chat with, you know, with a bunch of people. It's weird how this is even and and they'll regard it as news. It's I don't understand it. So somewhere along the line, these people feel like they're in some sort of a private special club that is being provided with information that is top secret. Nobody else knows about it except for their specific group. And it's their job to go and to promote this fake, nonsensical, you know, information out there to as many people. But yet somewhere along the line, despite what has to be obvious to them. I don't care how stupid you are. You cannot believe that Trump is involved in government right now. All you have to do is just turn on the television. There's like 18 or 19 
potential indictment cases that are pending against the guy that Joe Biden, who happens to be around the world, you know, doing his thing, right? Thing called president of the United States of America is really in California at a movie studio. And Trump is running the whole thing from Mar-a-Lardo while the <laughs> FBI is raiding his home to take that. It's just, it's so over the top ridiculous. You know what I would love? I would love for you and one of your next you know, shticks to go and pretend to be like someone's son, like a, you know, like a famous person's son. See if they would say something different, like pretend like you're Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. Could you imagine? And you, and put on his accent, right? And say, I really need to ask you a question, right? I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I am totally for the MAGA movement. I'm exactly opposite of, of what everybody thinks my father is. And just go on and ask them because people love famous people, right? And they're willing to open up more. I would love to see you do something like that, which would just to me be comical, you know? Just where they, where they make just that, open up and, know, see, and see how they, see how, well, see what they really feel. Yeah, see, see how far yes. down the rabbit hole it goes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, the, uh, so, and it's funny. Yeah, the the thing that they. Yeah, my name is Walter, and I wanted and I want to ask you a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I went. I, I've yeah. done it, pretending to be different. You know, news outlets. Um, the one that I, was most effective was when I pretended that I was running for office, and I went to a thing. I saw that. And that they, was great. And they were like. Uh, when pretended I was running for office and it it's funny since I'm not part of like the media suddenly they were very open they're like oh oh yes and they had very frank conversations with me and it was that was interesting because though half the job that I do is getting them to try and just relax open up and say the crazy part that I want them to say because I feel like if I identified as some left-leaning person they'd kind of dial it back a little right you're like a you're like another Sasha Baron Cohen, yeah, right? You know yeah. when he when he did Ali G. You know all they had to do is turn around and um, claim that he was part of the media and these people. Or foreign media, so, yeah. Everybody wants to be. Yeah. That's right. Everyone wants to be famous. So let me ask you this, Walt. In a recent video of yours, there was a man defending Alex Jones. Oh God! And honestly, yeah. he did not seem stupid. Just like I was saying before, deeply misguided. And after all this time interfacing with MAGAs, do you feel like do you feel like anything could ever puncture their bubble? Or or has it become, or I mean, is it still impossible for them to see, to hear, to believe reality? So that guy in particular was so interesting to speak to. That guy was a, a huge Alex Jones just fan through and through. And there was like no penetrating his, you know, sense of reality because he would, he said a lot more that I didn't include. Like he, he was totally on board with how the Sandy Hook uh, victims were manufactured and the Parkland kids, David Hogg is a professional actor and he's not like, you know, he wasn't really a student at Parkland. I mean, he went on and on about this. I was like, I don't need to include this. This is ridiculous. And, um, that no matter where we went with the conversation, it was just, he just found a way for nothing to be real. And I'm, so I was like, okay, all right, like, this is so weird. But the guy doesn't understand, uh, Walt, that right now, right now, Alex Jones's ass is in a Connecticut courthouse, 
right? He's already been ordered to pay nearly $50 million to the parents of, you know, one of the slain kids um, over at, you know, yeah. um, at Parkland. I'm sorry, at Sandy Hook Elementary, right? And for spreading the lie yeah. um, that the massacre was a hoax. Now, I mean, you, now on top of that, there's another case. And the judge was furious at him. First of all, the judge wanted Alex Jones to tur- turn over analytics uh, from, his, from his radio show in terms of how much money he made off of promoting a lie, a lie regarding you know, the loss of children's lives yep. and, and teachers and, and so on. And you know what? I'm, I really am. I, I'm not part of this cancel culture. Right? I don't give a shit what Alex Jones would say. I don't care about all of the bullshit he's peddling on his website, the testosterone <laughs> and all of the other shit that he's peddling that clearly stupid people are buying. What I do care about is the fact that his actions only seem to promote, um, forget about the pain that it's causing these families and you know, and these children um, of you know who were who were slain. It's also promoting others to sort of join this culture of refusing to acknowledge that this situation, that this incident, actually took place, and then targeting these families who have lost loved ones. It's it's really disgraceful, and it goes well beyond freedom of speech. I mean that that's obviously what no, it's, you know, it's even worse than that. Yeah, you know, I because what initially you know before I, when I started doing this, the catalyst that got me upset was something happens, right? And then we're told by them that it never happened. COVID never happened. No one, no one really died. No one died at all. Uh, and you know, meanwhile, like I during quarantine, I was in New York City. I lived right near modular morgue trucks, right? But, you know, those morgue trucks were apparently fake. Uh, this just happened. Well, this has been ongoing, but it escalated recently. So I, uh, because I was at Capitol Hill on January 6th, people, you know, think there's a conspiracy theory that, you know, that I was the mastermind behind it. I was part, I was the Antifa super soldier that started January 6th riots. Oh, okay? wow, nice. And it's, and it's a very funny conspiracy like haha like i mean i got a lot of laughs off of it however it escalated recently where they all ganged up and mass reported my videos about it on youtube and those got taken down youtube took them down and that which i I didn't think that was funny at all and youtube took them down for misinformation which i'm talking thinking this is this is not misinformation this is this is real like i was there you're you're taking a live stream of my time there. Like my video was used by the January 6th committee. Like this is beyond this is the right. farthest thing. Did they ever put it back up? This just happened where like they nailed my, they nuked my account and my like account is, you know, uh, restricted and like a strike away from being banned out, banned completely. And I, which I was like, all right, this is, right. this is bullshit. Like, this is not funny. Like this is, I mean, I would, people would say this to my face, it, like maggots when they'd see me in the street in New York City, that, you know, that I was the guy behind January 6th. I was like, all right, you're clearly dumb. 
Yeah, dumb isn't the right is the word for it. So let me ask you this though, because Jones, after of course, you know, the case was getting, you know, hot. Um Jones now says that he believes the shooting was real. Right? And then he testified that what he said was irresponsible. It clearly hurt people's feelings. And then he went ahead and he apologized. Okay. So now you're still speaking to these same maggots, these fucking morons, and they're still sp- um, spouting old Alex Jones conspiracy. Well, he theories. does. He's not sorry. And he's not, he is not, he is, he hasn't retracted shit. His audience knows that he didn't retract a goddamn thing. He doesn't think differently of it. He just basically equivocated and just was like, what? Oh, I know. I never said that. He does that same old tired argument that they use of like, well, I never said that. Right. I mean, Trump did that all the time. Right. He'd say something. Yeah. He's learning. From he'd, the he'd say, yeah. he'd say something. And then people would go, what, what? He'd go, what? I never said that. I mean, and it's this typical thing of like, what? I know. I, what? I, I never said that. Like, oh, I never did this. I never did that. But I mean, we can't talk about this without talking about one of the best moments in TV history is when the lawyer for the uh, the other side has Alex Jones on the stand and said, hey, by the way, your lawyers uh, gave me your entire, all of your cell phone records yeah. for the past two years. <laughs> and he's like, and he followed up. He's like, and I followed up to say, is any of this privilege? They were like, nah, bro, you're good. <laughs> and i i actually i actually for the record the look on alex jones's face the way he like sort of rallied through that um i was like you know what i gotta hand it to you that is the most damning thing someone just told you that the law has your everything you've ever done on your cell phone for the past two years they had mine they they had mine for the, for for even more than two years, they had mine for uh, more than a decade. But let let me ask you this, and and you know what? If you notice, what came out of my entire thing? Out of ten million documents, ten million documents, we went through in forty days, pursuant to the special master. I was given forty days. Oh, to you do got it. a special master. Trump has eleven. You 000. got a special master. I did the same one. That's up. The same one that's being considered for this one, uh, Barbara Jones. So let me ask you this then, because. Since we're going to talk about Trump for a second, are the only reactions of MAGA folks to the search and seizure of Mar-a-Lardo that once again, Trump has been wronged? Because I've heard the argument amongst Trump people that he has always been attacked more than any other president since the day that he you know, won the election. And I mean, that's you listening to Don Jr. My father has been attacked. Since day number one, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, he's almost like the Bob Goldthwait of today, right? Could you imagine? It's the same, it's the same personality, right? But is Trump's legal issues amounting, and even Republicans are now beginning to stop defending him. Do you think that Republican voters will finally get off of the Trump train, or is that train just too far gone? I I think honestly, like it just makes room for DeSantis to like swoop in. Who in my he's in no my boy, he's he's worse because he's not as psychopathic. He's a little bit more calculated. Knows exactly what he's doing. 
Um, you know, the time I've spent in Florida, the way he markets himself, I've, the way I've personally seen him market himself is genius. He's m- much slicker at doing that, much better at covering his tracks, all of that stuff. And so, I mean, you know, this is, we're used to this first wave of fascism coming through and it being done by a gang that couldn't shoot straight. And I think the next gang that comes through to try and take over an election will be much better and much more organized at it and less boastful and stuff like that. Yeah, look, the the whole thing is crazy. You may have seen that Jeffrey Berman, who was the former head of the Southern District of New York, a total scumbag, and I hope he's listening, fucking asshole, right? (laughs) This guy has now unwittingly, he's now validated my new upcoming book, Revenge, entitled, right, Revenge, How Donald Trump Weaponized the United States Department of Justice Against His Critics. This piece of shit, along with the other assholes at the Southern District of New York, from Audrey Strauss to Tom McKay to Nick Roots to um, just you name them, uh, Andrea Griswold and um, just the whole lot, stock and barrel of them all need to go, right? This is what Jeffrey Berman has said in his book. Now, first of all, I think what he did is completely unethical. At the bare minimum, what he did by not reporting what was going on was first and foremost unethical, if not criminal and illegal. This guy says he was contacted on the eve of my guilty plea, which, by the way, was shoved up my ass. It was either I either I accept this plea deal that came on a Friday night at 5.30, the first time I ever heard from the from the Southern District after four and a half months of asking to meet with them, and they declined each time. They tell me if I don't plead guilty on Monday in 48 hours over a weekend, they're filing an 85-page indictment, and it was going to include my wife, all right? So this piece of shit, Berman, right, gets contacted by Maine Justice, who tries to get his office to remove any reference to individual number one, who we all know is Donald J. Trump. And despite the fact that he didn't do it and that they were unsuccessful, meaning DOJ, um, you know, that they were unsuccessful in their attempts to politically interfere. Oh, so they oh, with, so they tried, he came in and tried to like wipe his name off. Yeah. Correct. In that way, it would only be tax charges, which they really, there was no tax violation. That whole thing I just pled guilty to because I had no choice. They were coming after my wife 48 hours, the first time you hear 5.30 on a Friday to a Monday. And what bothers me the most Don't you think the guy who's the head of the Southern District of New York is being pressured by his boss, the Attorney General of the United States of America, who's being pressured by his boss, the former President of the United States of America, in order to fuck around with a case to exonerate him from everything, which they ultimately did anyway. They had a dozen sealed indictments against people. All of them say, oh, no, no. We don't have a strong enough case to go after Trump and others, but we'll just we'll just accept the Cohen conviction, right? Which the whole thing, like I said, was set up. This is all this is all wrong. And this is really this is really a problem. This is why people don't trust our Justice Department on both sides of the aisle, Republican and Democrat. But the difference is through Donald Trump and the way he understands media and how they're this right-wing media weaponizes 
weaponizes thought, like with this stupid lady, right, who gets it from Telegram. This is the big problem because they always think that Donald Trump is being wronged. Well, let me ask you this. Is it wrong to have top secret classified information at Mar-a-Lago in unsecured location, including in your desk, which is located above the catering hall that thousands of people go into a week? That doesn't seem to be wrong. So do we need to have a dozen more, you know, God forbid, 9-11s in this country? And even if we did, do you think that these fucking maggot idiots will finally understand that this guy is the worst violator of law that our country has ever seen? Forget about in a president, in anyone. I, I was so right after it happened, all of the footage you saw recently was from a QAnon conference in upstate New York. It was outside of Rochester and Batavia, New York, all the way upstate. And um, there's a it's Clay Clark QAnon. Clay Clark is like the ring, ring the PT Barnum of QAnon. He does these big events and uh, they're terrible, right? And uh, Eric Trump spoke there. A bunch of other lunatics spoke there. And I mean, the way that they, the way that Eric Trump talked about it, the audience just ate it up of like, he was just like, you know, what about the Hunter Biden laptop? What, what about the Biden laptop? What about Hunter Biden? What about the Hunter Biden laptop? Uh, this whole thing is just a smokescreen and a red herring for the Hunter Biden laptop. And I watched the audience totally well, no, 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 Walter, Walter, I'm so sorry. Not, no, Walter, not to interrupt you, but... It's not just the Hunter Biden laptop that they refer back to. They refer them back to Hillary Clinton's emails. <laughs> They're always looking for an answer in order to whitewash Donald Trump's responsibility and accountability. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's, it'll, it'll just be anything. It's like, you know, if he said it, he didn't mean it. If he did it, uh, there's probably a good reason. If there wasn't a good reason, then what about Hillary, Hunter Biden, uh, and Kamala and Fauci and so on and so forth, right? It's like, yeah, if he said yeah. it, he didn't, he didn't mean it. If he meant it, he didn't do it. If he did it, it was a good reason. And if there wasn't a good reason, oh, what about Hillary? You know, what about Hunter? It's, it's like, it is like the common yeah. thing where I'm like, all right, this, this is exhausting. Like, come on, this is, this is ridiculous. You think, you think that's exhausting? How about the fact that I've been asking for FOIA documents for over two years? Over two years, haven't gotten a single piece of paper yet. In fact, not only have I been asking for these FOIA documents, I now have Congressman Ted Lieu, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, Congressman Steve Cohen, and Congresswoman um, Carolyn Maloney all have sent letters to the Inspector General and to others demanding that they turn over these documents, which, of course, once they do, it's going to show you exactly what Trump and Bill Barr, it's what I outlined in my, in my upcoming book with, you know, with clear um, and definitive information that shows exactly how Donald Trump was complicit and how he was a master, the, the mastermind behind what had happened to me from the very, very beginning. And now this idiot Jeffrey Berman validates my book by turning around and claiming, yeah, you know, Donald through Bill Barr reached out because there's always an intermediary with Donald. It's the same thing that's now going to happen with Kushner. Kushner is going to get his ass eventually handed to him too because everything 
improper that went on in the Middle East was done, you know, and not just the Middle East, everywhere was done through uh, Jared. By the way, did you see, because you, you follow me on Twitter, did you see my tweet where I wrote, many are asking me why Mr. Mushroom Putter was at his DC golf course, which is actually really in Virginia. He says to play golf. My sources were telling me. There were no that, no clubs. No one was golfing. Right. That, that he was meeting with two lawyers in secrecy um, because he didn't trust being at their offices. Um, and also I then said, notice that there are no golf clubs on the cart. That thing took off when viral. And I started receiving a whole multitude of phone calls from various journalists turning around saying, oh, my God, you're right. There's no, you know, do you know who the lawyers are? There are no golf carts, uh, golf clubs on the cart. You know, do you know who they were meeting with? How did you hear about it? Well, I heard about it by somebody who was clearly at the golf club, right? That was that was there. So, you know, he realizes finally that he's in trouble. But my biggest fear is that even though he knows that he's got trouble, his MAGA supporters do not. They don't care. And they will continue to support him even after he ultimately gets indicted and potentially incarcerated. Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh, that would be that would be a dream if he actually, you know, wound up in cops. And it would it would draw out a lot of these oath keepers and these people that were planning on, you know, in an insurrection and all this stuff. You would these people that are laying in wait for their opportunity, it would just it would draw them out into the open, right? I mean, you saw that immediately right afterwards. People, this one guy went and started shooting at the uh, FBI office. Yeah. yeah, and then they chased him into a cornfield. So I said, of course they did. Of course they chased him into a cornfield. Children of the corn. That no, that the thing with the golf cart, the golf course was amazing because you're like, because it, I mean, it was like you could look at the picture and be like, all right, this is obvious. This is. Every movie you've seen, every mob movie, every, you know. No, 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 no. So, well, I got to stop you on that because, you know, there's a picture of like seven guys, you know, around Trump. Let me let me be very clear. All those people work for Trump uh, and they work at the golf course. You know, if you notice to the right of Trump, there's a tall guy in a white shirt. That's Eric Trump. Yeah. And then there's a short guy next to him. That's Larry Glick who runs golf over Trump on Fifth Avenue. And the other guys are the general managers and, you know, the probably the, the head of um, land, uh, you know, landscaping um, and, you know, and golf course repairs and so on. Trump likes a big audience. You know, it's the same shit with his rallies. So you're saying he would meet with his lawyers. He'd meet with lawyers and these other random people and discuss privilege no, information. No, no, no. While he was waiting for the lawyers to show up. You know, he needed an audience. He needed to say something. Maybe, you know, they're preparing for that Saudi Arabia, that live golf, maybe doing it there since they're having a hard time doing it up here in Yonkers. So do it in D.C., blah, blah, blah. Who knows why he decided to look at the golf course. Soon it's not going to be his anyway after Tish James finishes with him. But the real question is, why was he there? And it wasn't to talk about the golf course. He was there because he was meeting in private afterwards in an office over at the golf club, which he considers to be secure because, you know, um, press and others can't, you know, they can't go there and uh, record him or talk about him. That's my that's my belief. And it seems to be okay. supported by what's what's going on there. Otherwise, it looked like a, it looked like a shot of casino, you know, like 
De Niro. Yes, that's what everybody was trying to say. And that's the problem. This, Walter, is the problem with what Trump is doing, what Bill Barr did, what all of these maggots are doing. They're creating in our minds, every time we see something, out comes the hypotheticals. All of a sudden, oh, you know, look at this group of, of you know, of mafiosa wannabes. They're not. They're the Larry Glick's a Long Island kid, you know, who's been working for the Trump org as long as I have. Um, and, you know, he runs golf there. You know, what the hell would he be doing? And Eric Trump is there. Nah, stop. All those people, it, they're not. It's not Murder, Inc. It's, it's worse than Murder, Inc. You got a guy who has in his possession nuclear, top-secret, confidential information, and a guy that we all know is willing to sell it to the highest bidder or when he goes to prison for a bag of tuna. I'm telling you right off the bat, Trump doesn't give a shit about this country, and he would sell, he would burn this country down because he lost the election. But the reason I get fired up about all of this is because I start to think about And I'm going to ask you this. Do you think that Republican voters are fired up for the midterms right now? Because I know the rallies that you attend, they're like social events. But are you seeing any organized efforts to actually get out the vote um, by these Republican Trump supporters? Because we also know that there are efforts. I mean, I've been at at least Zeldin rallies. I've been at uh, the guy who goes running for governor. I mean, you people are fired up and they're they're in a completely alternate reality. And I think that's sort of the problem with, you know, we, you know, progressives, liberals in America see something happen and we go, oh, this is going to be bad for that side. And you're like, no, this, there's an information silo of like what things are happening. I mean, if you look at it, you know, conservative news, they're not, that's, this is not a bad thing. This is covered right up. This is, it's not bad. It's this, it's spun into oblivion so i don't i i think you know it might turn off a lot of moderates people that you know 10 20 years ago might have been like oh what's wrong with voting republican what's wrong with you know recent events might take the moderates out and be like you know what i'm out this is ridiculous i mean i have people that voted Mm -hmm. for but not but not those far not those far right supporters there's nothing that this guy can do that's going to change their mind and look you who are there asking questions and playing the MAGA part, you feed right into that narrative for them where they can spew the same bullshit that they're, that they're getting from these wackadoodle sites. And it's very, very frustrating because my biggest fear is that these people actually are smart enough to figure out where the voting booths are. Oh, yeah. You know, that's really a, that's really a problem. No, yeah. It's, I mean, their, their issues are, you know, the, the groomers, the... the uh, trans trans uh, rights and transphobia. Transphobia is an amazing tool for the alt right. I mean, that is just amazing. It can sweep across racial lines, and uh, it's a great recruiting tool. You know, these people are still anti-vax. They're still anti-vax. They're still the Hunter Biden laptop thing is still this insane story. So yeah, they 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 still have all this stupid ammunition that you're like, oh. How are you? I mean, my only, I, I think that these people in 10, 20 years are, are all going to become communists because they're going to go so far to the right. They're going to like come out of, the, they're going to come out left because that that's why my favorite thing to do with these people when I 
when I interviewed them is get them to say communist rhetoric and get them to agree to communism. <laughs> that same Alex Jones guy, lunatic. I got him to fully agree to communism. That that video went viral. I, I was like, we need to seize the means of production. We need to get rid of the big banks because they're all communists. We need to get rid of big pharma, big banks, big tech, all communism. He's like, yep. I was like, and we need to. And then he, yeah. And then he talks about how his co company, I was like, oh, we need to support unions. He goes, eh. He's like, you know, my company's non-union, but all of us have an equity stake in the company. And we're like, that's that's communism, dude. Like, what? <laughs> and, and, right. Meanwhile, the guy's like full on Alex Jones. I mean, I have an, in that video that you saw of his, he legit says he buys a ton of merchandise from Alex Jones. He buys stuff from him all the time. And then he laughed at the end. He's like, oh, supplements. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's worse, you know, Walter. It's worse than just the fact that these people are, you know, um, uh, are transphobic. They're not just. It's not just about transphobia. It's homophobia, yeah. Islamophobia. Oh yeah, anti-Semitism. Oh, yeah. There's misogyny. You know, there's all forms of racism going on here, and this is a real. This is a real problem because you know the line that they use is "I won't be canceled." And I'm not going to allow this wokeness, you know, to, you know, to change. Now they have, you know, with the books being burnt, you know, like 1984. I mean, this is, yeah, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Fahrenheit 451. Um, I mean, this, this is just really no joke at this point. But let me ask you this then. Because Monday, it was revealed that the DOJ subpoenaed 40 Trump land players in the 2020 scheme to overturn the election, which you know, which signals a substantial escalation of the investigation. Do you think the indictments and incarceration of insurrectionists like the former cop who just got 10 years for beating a Capitol Police officer serves any kind of a warning like, don't do crimes for Trump or you'll end up in jail? Oh, I... Mm. Okay, so the only thing I can say to that is personal, personally, my personal experience is this. So before the election and after the election, you know, I was posting the same content before the election and before January 6th, uh, people would get in my DMs and make, or they'd, they'd make videos with very open faced threats. Stuff like you would, people would say like, I'm going to come into the city and find this guy, right? Like open, mm -hmm. and that's a vid. They made a TikTok about this. That's an open threat, right? Like someone says, I'm going to come into the city and find Walter Masterson. Uh, people did this all the time. I actually got used to it, right? After January 6th, that dropped off a lot because people got the feeling that they were no longer acting on behalf of the president of the United States. It was a, it was, he created a very, dangerous atmosphere where people were acting on behalf of the president and and people said stuff to me and dm me stuff that i thought wow like okay this is this is a nasty thing to say and they this wasn't from some fake anonymous account these were from real accounts that were you know people, these were from people's facebook profiles they, from their instagrams from the their tiktok and so on and and I thought, wow, like, okay. And I saw that drop off after January 6th, where it was, all right, you're not, like, you're going to do this alone. I mean, 
we're we're seeing a rise in extremism. People are going to do stuff that's you know nasty, and you're going to see a lot more of it. Uh, but they, you, I I don't think you're going to get the people that think they're going to get a Trump pardon because I. That, Gee, well, none of them are getting none of them are getting Trump. Oh pardons. my, yeah, I mean. He can't give pardons anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's not the president. Maybe, maybe in his mind, he's the president. Could you imagine that they show up a get out of jail free card from Monopoly signed by Donald Trump in the back, or somebody <laughs> you know who knows how to do his signature? Hey, you can't touch me. This is my pardon. I mean, that's how stupid that these people are. But I want to ask you. I want to ask you this then. I've heard interviews, including some of yours, where MAGA and QAnon people have said that they have no problem with Trump being above the law. Like, like he's a god. What do you think happens if Trump is indicted? I think it would bring out a lot of these insurrectionists and people that want to start a civil war. It's going to bring them out. It's going to bring them to the forefront. I mean, they're, they're existing. They're ready to rock and roll. They're locked and loaded. You know, these people are you know going to come out. I mean, just from him getting raided, you know, people were shooting at the FBI office and stuff like that. So these people were, and also the big story is the IRS. You know that. So basically, mm-hmm. so you know, over the next ten years, the IRS is going to hire what uh, sixty, eighty thousand people over ten years, and the IRS for the last hundred years has had a law enforcement division that is very small, but you know, yes, they step up their law enforcement division, like, Oh, so slightly. And that is, but it's, it's not like, you know, they're going to hire, you know, 200 to 400 more law enforcement people, according to these magas, which is unsubstantiated and undocumented is that the IRS is hiring 80,000 people, uh, with guns to come to your house and shoot you, right? So that 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 those those things came out concurrently as Trump was getting raided. The you know the Inflation Reduction Act was passing, and you know part of that was you know oh this IRS thing, which is to go after billionaires. But the story that Kevin McCarthy and others blew up, which is that they are eighty thousand armed to the teeth irs agents and they use weird things like oh well they just bought five hundred thousand dollars in ammunition and i was like no they they buy that much in ammunition every year like they're a law enforcement agency (laughs) (laughs) i actually looked this up because i had heard it the first time i heard it was from them because i had known that they were stepping up the irs but the conspiracy theory i looked it up to be like what what is this and i looked it up and i was like this is this is dumber than what i thought it was right well, the funniest part is that you may recall the MAGAs got very upset when Biden um, called them out as being fascists. I, I know. Now, I've heard, yeah, I've heard some pundits and newscasters saying that many MAGAs are guilty of fascism, but they are somehow unaware of it, like the people oh, that you God. speak to in it's your so in your funny videos. In your in your opinion. Do MAGAs know that the ideology of their movement is fascist or not? And if so, do uh, they even care? Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, there's there's two so there's two types. There's like the ones that endlessly argue with me, saying, "Well, um, you know, the Nazis were socialists," and you're like, "No," they, and I'm like, "No, they they 
no, they were not socialists. They like called themselves socialists so that they could get the union, the labor vote. And as soon as they were in power, they crushed labor, you know, and did all this anti-labor pro-corporate stuff. And you like, I go over the history of fascism of, and the actual true history. And they're just, just doesn't process for them. They're like, no. Nah, nah. Um, and then there's, there's a lot of the people there, uh, who openly identify as fascists. They, they, I mean, if you're, if you're like a hardcore Christian, uh, and you're part of that group, I mean, you, that's just Christo fascism. So like you're fine with America being a theocracy and, you know, Christianity being the one and only official religion that everyone else can jump onto. Right. It makes perfect sense to me. I mean, if you're, you know, if Jesus is the one true savior. I know, it certainly makes perfect sense to them. I'm not sure it makes sense to me. No, I mean, their fascism makes perfect sense to me. But yeah, the the, the logical fascism. But yeah, see, I, that, and a lot of it comes from this Christo-fascism. A lot of them are very hardcore Christians. And every, every single QAnon event I've been to, they hold a prayer, hold multiple prayers. Pastors get up and speak and lead the uh, entire rally in prayer. Every single, like, all of them. Yeah. So, Walter, let me ask you this then. What happened to all the anti-vaxxers who were amassing, you know, for rallies and shutting down highways <laughs> with their trucks? Did they implode, or did they regroup and get behind some other sort of wackadoodle conspiracy? And do you think that vaccines will have any bearing on the um, on the midterms, on the mindset of these people who are coming in to vote, you know, for the midterms. Um, what do you think that they want now? Uh, so that's actually pretty funny. So the, the anti-vaxxers, they were, they're local. They hold stuff here all the time in the city. And I always went around to mess with them. They're great to mess with and troll and everything. I got exhausted from doing it just because they, or not exhausted, more like just bored. They kind of uh, lost a lot of their luster because there's no mandates. All the mandates were lifted. Uh, they still hold these protests because they want the city workers to get their jobs back. So they're still around and they still act a fool and do stuff. But yeah, the the entire like QAnon all the like Clay Clark, his thing is funded by, uh, you know, the, the supplements, the supplements, 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 uh, you know, every booth at his thing is all, you know, these, uh, you know, Sherry Tenpenny yeah, steroids and, and Viagra, Sherry Tenpenny, of, you know, yeah. of pills. Uh, there's, yeah. there was one, there's yeah. one video. I haven't edited it yet, but it's so great where this woman at this booth at this QAnon, the Clay Clark rally, is uh advertising organic uh ivermectin and i was like i was like organic to anybody that doesn't know what the ivermectin is yeah. that's the you know that's the drug that you take for the new um for the new strain of covid you know that helps you to relieve the symptoms i mean you know what does that mean i mean what are they going to give you an orange or grandma's chicken soup it's again it's it's so stupid you know i want to talk to you for a second about polling because there's speculation that, as per usual, you know, the polling is off. And it's, it's really hard to tell who's winning in the midterms in the various different states. You know, obviously, you know, that's the case, especially 
when you're in close races, and that's the ones that they tend to focus on in order to prove their point. But just today, there's reporting that you know the Pennsylvania's poll numbers aren't accurate. Pennsylvania and worries that races me. Of both, that worries me. Yeah, and that both. Well, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you that question. Uh, that the races for both Doug Mastriano and Doctor Oz are a lot closer than what's being reported and what we believe. You have any specific races, including Pennsylvania, that you're watching, and why? So the Mastriano one is um, it that worries me because I watch the campaign that Mastriano is pushing. Everyone in Pennsylvania is like, dude, this guy is a cult leader. It, it's Christo Christian fascist. It's nasty. And he's smart enough to really not go and say the quiet part out loud. If you look at his Facebook page, it, it look it's very, you know, anodyne. It's it's very innocuous. And but literally I he came on my radar because people that know me kept DMing me. They're like, dude, this this guy's full on crazy. And he holds a ton of events. Tons, tons of events. I don't see as many events being held by his opponent, uh, Shapiro, right? Uh, Shapiro's, uh, he's, Mm -hmm. he's in the lead right now. It's like a six, seven point lead, right? Like Mastriano's polling at 41%. Uh, Shapiro's polling at 47%. That's great. I hope that's a real thing, but that it, it shouldn't even be that close. Mastriano is a scary person. And he like brings out, I think he's, he's done a great job of bringing out the craziest people of Pennsylvania. I mean, people don't understand how mm-hmm. insane the state of Pennsylvania is. You have really amazing parts of it. And then you have people there that are just pretending to be human beings. Right. And, you know, so it's, just, you know, there's two sides to that state. <laughs> like there's, there's still right. the city, right. the KKK, Nazi. Yeah. There's like, it's a very weird state, you know, in terms of its dichotomy. <laughs> you know, many years ago when I was in college, it was a girl I was dating. She was from Pittsburgh and she was a very pure, very beautiful girl. And she asked me when I was, you know, we went to school in D.C. So she asked me if I would go with her for a weekend to her family's home. I was invited the whole bit. And I'll never forget her grandpa, who was. I don't care what anybody said. And I even said to him, you know, um, are you with the KKK? You know, we're sitting down and it was, <laughs> we're sitting down having dinner on a Friday night. And I'm sorry, it was a Saturday night. And he turns around and he goes, never sat at a table with no Jew before. <laughs> so I said, I never sat, I never had dinner with a Klansman either. That, my God, that family looked up like, oh my God, I said the worst thing. I didn't know what else to say, <laughs> but I'll never forget. You know, and she, she, poor girl, she gets up and she's crying because, you know, she was so embarrassed. And, you know, there's, there's some areas there in Pennsylvania where I don't understand where these people come from. Everybody knows somebody who's different. I don't care if it's based on your race, your religion, your sex, your creed, your color, your sexual orientation. Everybody knows somebody. There is no homogenous group anymore unless you're in, let's say, like Germany or uh, in, you know, the tribes. In Norway, in, yeah. You know, in these remote areas, right. You know, or these tribes in Africa where it's just, it's a homogenous group. Everybody knows somebody. And yeah. 
they all seem to somehow, whether it's at work or somewhere, they all seem to get along. Except when you get home into the confines of your private space, then all of a sudden, oh, I hate Joe because he's Indian. I hate Michael because he's Jewish. I hate Tom because he's black. I mean, you sit there, you say to yourself, I mean, well, who this, gives a shit? Well, it's just white fear. Why do you care? Hate the, hate the person. Right, but it, correct. But hate the person because of the quality of their character, oh, yeah. not the, you know, right. Well, I, I think, no, they've, they've done an amazing job. And with CRT, and when they demonize the word equity, uh, I watched them just, you know, just, you know, push the buttons on that white fear, uh, you know, machine and throughout America. And that that's that's the big thing. It's, it's white fear. It's when you say equity, white privilege, well, no, white fear of like, you know what, uh, you know, if you give the black people things, uh, you're going to it's because you're going to take it from us. Right. In in order for them to have more jobs, you're gonna have to take jobs away from us and from my family and the da da. And you know, you're gonna have to start sending them to my school and the da and districting them with the da da da. Um so I watched those buttons get pushed and where you're like, all right, this is you know, we we have I have family members that, you know, voted for Trump and it was pure white fear that was just like, you know. Uh, Trump in, in his rallies, you know, was talking about how they're going <laughs> to. You should, you should get them on a video. Oh God, <laughs> they're like they're, I oh, yeah, I have, I have some family members at the next that are family like, at the next Masterson family function. I want to see one of those videos. Talk about Antilly going to fuck you. Some up. of them are scared. To, some of them are <laughs> like, all right, I'm not going to say anything that's going to wind up on a TikTok. And I wish they were more scared because, like, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to hear anything about trans this and pronouns i don't want to hear any of your dumb jokes right i i love it i'm like i'm like i wish you were more afraid to say things to say stupid stuff around me you know well they should be well let me let me say this to you walter the hour and i say this on every show the hour goes by very very quickly so i have one last question for you now politically you're a progressive i believe yeah very left-leaning you know socialist communist yeah Tell <laughs> so tell me, tell me how you think that Biden is doing now. And even though he's been having lots of success lately, do you think that he should run again in 2024? And if not him, then who? Okay, so I just want to say that in the past, you know, few weeks, in the past few weeks, you know, the doctors that are in charge of Biden, they found a really good cocktail of drugs to shoot him up with. I mean, can we just all agree? That whatever vitamins, they were just like, okay, let's change this and take out that. And whatever cocktail they're shooting them up with the past few weeks, have it's just been amazing. And let's just give them a round of applause because he's gotten like, he's gotten some deep, he's gotten some decent things done where I was like, oh, okay, like that's not bad. And, but, and these are things like, listen, my expectations for him, he's a center right president. Like everything he's doing, if you look at like the, you know, the scale of like, you know, what is liberal, what is left leaning, what is right wing, he's center right at the very best. And, you know, for as a center right president, he's been fantastic. He's done a lot of good things. I've gotten in a lot of trouble for saying that Fox News even like did a story on me. They like the Internet lost its mind when I said that. 
but that he would not, he's not a communist. He's like center right at the best uh, for that. I, I am happy that he's done this stuff. Um, uh, you know, Biden was always supposed to be a placeholder unless there's someone better that's going to like take his place. I'm just like, uh, fine. Like we'll slog it out with another four years of this person. And who do you see is that? I, I could not even tell you, like, you know, I've always, I don't, I disagree with a lot of, uh, Buddha judges politics, you know, uh, but I do appreciate how he can think on his feet and he's very fast and he understands messaging the right way. Things like that. Right. But, but unfortunately our country is not in a position yet that we're prepared to have, um, in, you know, an outwardly, um, gay man, uh, as the president of the United States, we're, we're not, we're not there. I don't care. what. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a very there. conservative and country. And that would be turning. Yes. And that would be turning over uh, to the Republicans, the White House. You know, what about somebody like um, uh, Jamie Raskin? What about Eric Swalwell? What about, you know, Swalwell's, like, wait, uh, Swalwell's like not gay? Amy Klobuchar. What about an Amy Klobuchar? Amy Klobuchar? What's that? No, he's not. He's married with children. Oh, ghost. I'm thinking of someone else. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, well, you definitely are, right? Uh, Eric, if you're listening, <laughs> okay. uh, you don't mean it. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm thinking of so. <laughs> I'm just teasing. So, yeah, I mean, Swalwell, great. That is it. Oh, Swalwell's a veteran. I mean, Swalwell understands messaging incredibly well, can, like, think on his feet. Klobuchar, yeah, great. Uh, you know, you have people that can, you know, they, I, I think the next generation of Democrats that I would support are people that understand messaging. That's been the most frustrating thing to watch these campaigns with sort of this old style corporate messaging, like the, the most frustrating campaign to watch is like the, the Yunkin, you know, campaign where what's his name just gets slammed. And it, you know, and he's just terrible at its messaging and terrible at connecting with voters. And you're like, dude, this is, this can be a lot more simpler than what you're making it. So I, I would want someone like, you know, Ossoff, like I, um, I watched, you know, his campaign and whenever someone came out with something against him, he counter message so quickly. Uh, the Biden White House recently, very recently, is starting to figure that out. They like some, you know, a, a counter, you know, they'll counter message, they'll go after these things and. And they'll, they'll respond to stuff. They're just terrible at it. Democrats, we, we've always oh, yeah. been terrible See, at it. God, Democrats, oh, no. Jamie Harrison, how many times I've tried to reach out to him to turn on Tom. You just message poorly, right? As opposed to Trump, who everything is a bumper sticker. It's, it's obnoxiously oh. funny. And so and so people people remember it. But, Walt, let me say thank you so much for joining me again. Oh, uh, as I said to you pleasure, last man. time, please stay safe. Because everybody recognizes you now as a TikTok sensation, a, uh, a Twitter <laughs> sensation. Uh, stay safe, my friend. I hope to have you back very, very uh, shortly because, as you know, rally time is coming right from the midterms. Uh, so I definitely want to have you on again with some of the amazing, amazing videos that you're producing. Um, you stay safe, my friend, and I will speak to you very, very soon. All right. Thank you so much. And now for today's mea culpa. Last week I told you that in preparation for the midterms, we'd be featuring profiles of different candidates in various races around the country. 
I want to focus particularly on pivotal races, and there is not a more pivotal political figure in America today than Stacey Abrams. Ms. Abrams, a Democrat, is running for governor for a second time against Republican incumbent Brian Kemp. While running against Abrams in 2018, Kemp was then Secretary of State, and in that position, he was able to purge thousands of registered voters from the rolls. The voters had purged were the mostly black and impoverished districts, and it is very likely cost Abrams the race. But she came closer to becoming the governor of Georgia than any other Democrat in more than 20 years. She didn't spend much time crying about the loss. Instead, she became perhaps the most powerful voter rights advocate in the country. She co-founded Fair Fight and registered thousands of new voters in Georgia. In 2020, Abrams' organizing was widely credited as the linchpin that actually got Joe Biden into the White House. And Georgia Democrats John Ossoff and Reverend Warnock elected to the Senate. She turned her red state blue and maybe even more importantly, gave Democrats the majority in the Senate. Stacey Abrams put the fate of the nation on her shoulders and now the nation needs to return the favor. Abrams is currently running eight points behind Kemp, depending upon, of course, which polls you look at, margin of error or no, you know, the gap is too big to ignore. And she's slipping, in part because bullshit far-right rhetoric from the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene and Herschel Walker have replaced legitimate political dialogue in Georgia with loud MAGA bullshit. And while Kemp has in many ways been an abomination as governor, Georgia's strong economy and budget surplus have given him his main advantage. That, and he's white. Fear of a formidable black woman is nothing new in Georgia, but you think with all of the state's growth, particularly in the entertainment industry, where Tyler Perry owns and operates a booming film studio, that color would be less of an issue. But it is still an obstacle, and not just for candidates, but for voters. Kemp has fucked voter rights in Georgia as best as a governor can. He's the guy that declared it illegal to hand out water to people waiting at the polls. He's removed ballot boxes throughout the state, but mainly where they are needed. He put a draconian abortion trigger law in place and introduced legislation that would harshly punish anyone who performs the procedure in the state. I mean, Kemp's a real peach. Abrams has counted with proposals to expand Medicaid and invest the state's budget surplus into infrastructure and education. But today, Georgia has an education problem, and with that comes mass incarceration. Abrams' own brother is in the system. Prison and police reform have long been a priority for her. But for her, education is everything. Abrams went to Spelman College. She got her law degree from Yale and is the author of 14 books. She's a woman of faith who is unafraid to fight for everyone in her state. She wants to help small business and working families. She's fair, occasionally even funny, and always for real. If, like me, you'd like to see Abrams become the next governor of Georgia, check out her at StaceyAbrams.com and find a way to support her. Remember, it ain't over until it's over. We still have time to turn this thing around for Abrams. So remember folks, vote blue in 2022. And thanks for listening.
Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media, written by Jimmy Jelinek and Paula Killen. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustat, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. <laughs>